Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us again as we continue to journey in this Lenten season uh, and talk about uh, different topics of the Catholic faith. Last week we talked about the corporal works of mercy. This week we're going to talk about the spiritual works of mercy, which are very important um, for us. Um, and my name is Father Daniele. I'm always joined by Josh Sullivan Hello. over here and the man who always instructs the ignorant. <laughs> it's Matt Van Milligan. Matt, welcome. <laughs> yes. um, so good week. We're, we're still in our Lenten season and we're moving right towards, I mean, we're coming up to Holy Week, just a few weeks away. Yeah. And uh, so it's an exciting time. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about the spiritual works of mercy. But I wanted to talk about briefly before we started something that came out of the Catholic world in Canada just uh, it was about a week and a half ago, but we haven't talked about it yet on the Catholic Buzz podcast. Is that the uh, the Canadian bishops have a charity called Development and Peace? Yeah. Hey, yeah. did you hear this? I did. I did. Yeah. I read this. And Development and Peace uh, usually raises money through their shared Lent campaign. Yeah. That used to happen in our diocese on Good Friday across Canada. It happens on the fifth Sunday of Lent, which is just uh, around the corner this yeah. coming weekend. And so the Canadian bishops um, this uh, have released a bunch of details about this uh, charity because over the, over the last 10 or so years, maybe even more, there's been sort of controversy surrounding development and peace that mm. some of the monies that they're collecting from uh, Catholics is actually going to support uh, charities that don't follow yeah. Catholic, Catholic teachings. And it's been this really sort of back and forth, and it's really un it's been an unfortunate controversy, yeah, really. Yeah. But I think you know, now that they actually have proof, right? And and and, and that's what happened. Yeah. yeah uh, the I mean, they have been looking at uh, at the organizations that they support, but now sort of this report, and I just want to give you the stats on what they said. Okay. So now, development and peace. Let's be clear. Uh, does do some some good work, right? Sure. And it, it supported a total of 205 partners. So that's uh, charity groups across the world, usually in, in parts of the world that, you know, need extra help and, yeah. uh, you know, are, are impoverished. So of those 205 partners, okay, there were 63 organizations that the Canadian bishops decided needed further study as to say, where is the money mm -hmm. actually yeah. going in these 63 partners, okay? So when they investigated 63, they found that there were no objections to 20 of them, okay? okay yeah. So of the 63, 20 were good. They looked at them, um, decided, it was fine. decided it was fine, yeah. and all that stuff. 19 of them they had already ended their partnership when this investigation came because it was clear that these sort of partners were not living up to Catholic teaching. And then through their further investigation, another 24 yeah. partnerships were found uh, not to, uh, weren't very clear about if they were following the church's teaching. What we mean by that is money was going to things like offering contraception, contraception abortion, services, yeah. uh, abortion services, um, all these different things like that. Yeah. So, really, it, it's a bit, it's it's a scandal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a scandal <laughs> because because um, the Catholics have been supporting the Sharelent project, the development of peace, for so long. Yeah. You know, 
and I'm, I'm, and I'm not discrediting the good work that they do, mm -hmm. but you think that there would have been some, um, you know, you have a duty to make yeah. sure that the money I'm taking from you is going to a place where you entrust me with it. And, and I thought for that not to happen, especially with an organization like this that is kind of backed by the Canadian bishops, was very unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's very nice to see these numbers from the Canadian bishops yeah, organization. And that, they're, and that they're publishing them and they're known, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, because, I mean, that's, that's taking ownership of the problem, keeping, instead of like trying to shuffle things under the rug, keeping ownership of it and putting it out there. But yeah, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. So I thought we'd at least talk about that because, uh, you know, every year at Lent, we were just talking about almsgiving. We were, last, we were talking last. about almsgiving. <laughs> and and uh, really, when people kind of put the two together during Lent, when we give yeah. to charity, yeah. you know, the share that. Because, you know, sometimes they put out those calendars of, yeah. you know, how many light bulbs do you have in your house? So for each light bulb, take a quarter and put it in the pot. And, yeah. and then you, you yeah. give that money to development at peace after. So, you know, um, of those 60, so like I said, there was 200 and some organizations, 63 were reviewed. Yeah. Uh, about 43 were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pushed yeah. aside and they continue to support organizations so, so at no, least that's out there do your research do your back you know like when you're when you're investigating money one of the things I worked for Knights of Columbus and mm -hmm. one of their financial billions of dollars right mm -hmm. um, but they make sure that every they actually hire another outside company that every single dime that they invest is not invested with a company that does things as against the Catholic Church. So everything, so when you can put money in the Knights of Columbus, that's why a lot of priests invest with the Knights of Columbus too, is because all of their money is specifically directed towards investments that aren't against the Catholic teaching in any way. You know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. to the point of like um, some GMO testing stuff was against, right. and, they, and they pulled out from a specific company when I was involved with them, they pulled out from a specific company, and the company's like, there's no way you're gonna do that, you're gonna lose a million dollars, and they did it anyways. Uh, and so then the company said, okay, okay, well, we're going to stop doing this. We're, we'll stop testing this way, you know? And uh, so, like, it just, it was kind of cool to see that when you have companies like that mm -hmm. that do back it and do keep, keep a close eye, make sure you know where your investments are going. I like how you said, you know, that <laughs> you were talking about priests investing in the Knights of Columbus, like, yeah. hint, hint, and you're like, all their money. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, well, there's tons. Like, there's all tons my money. money yeah. uh... No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, but, but I mean, like, that's where, that's where priests sometimes did. I'm just bugging you. Yeah. When, I, when I was working. <laughs> uh, you know, gosh. priests makes millions. <laughs> so, <laughs> where? They, yeah, almost, they almost get five whole dollars extra a month. <laughs> so today we're, uh, so moving on, we're, we, last week we had a good conversation on the corporate works of mercy, so I've been thinking a lot about them this week. And this week we're doing the spiritual works of mercy. Yeah. So again... Last week was sort of the tangible things that we can do. Not to say that spiritual works aren't tangible, but these are sort of more, um, to use a mat word, efficacious for our spiritual life. Yeah. You like that word? Yeah, I did. I did. So, yeah, just to quickly, the, the corporeal uh, are, are aimed at addressing material needs, whereas the, you know, the spiritual are addressed at uh, Emotional, spiritual yeah, needs. Spiritual, yeah, spiritual yeah. needs, yeah. More metaphysical needs. Okay, so yeah. again, just like last week, there were seven corporal works of mercy. There are seven spiritual works of mercy. So we'll just uh, go through them and then we'll recap them at the end. So the number for the first one is counseling the doubtful. You want to say something about that, uh, Matt? Uh, sure. I think um, this, is, this is something that... Uh, a lot of us, like even the fact that we're we're having this podcast, that that we're we're trying to 
uh, act in a way that, that provides support for people um, who are kind of either just learning about the faith or are yeah. somewhere along, you know, the, the road in their faith. They have questions, they have doubts, they have concerns, they have, um, and this kind of conversation, this kind of um, activity is, is something that, sh like, was a pretty regular part of our our community before yeah. COVID, and this is this is kind of an aim to keep that going. Yeah. Um, but it really is um, it really is responding to a need that 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 people have concerns, people have doubts, people are interested in the faith, but don't really know where to start. Um, one of the the works of mercy is to counsel the is to fill that need, or is yeah. to yeah. Yeah, and um, I really like that because uh, you know, and, and all of us have our all of us have doubts. Doesn't mean like you know, mm, of course we and and we get past those doubts by um, looking into them. Not just really accepting. Them. You know, too many people have doubts about their faith. I know when I talk to students uh, in high school and other students, you know, um, they just they're just stuck in their doubt, mm -hmm. and nothing can break through it. Yeah. Where it's like we have doubts too. We work through them. We learn about them. We talk it out. You know, um, from people who who know, yeah. and and we grow in trust for Jesus. Yeah, you know? oh, for and, sure. And the word doubt in a classical sense isn't necessarily a like a denial or a rejection or um, you know a rejection of the truth of something. It could be a concern. Like uh, a lot of times, people equate kind of doubt and skepticism. Yes. That, like that that, yeah. that these are the same things. That it's like. Um, if you're not fully convinced of the truth of something, or if you're not, you then know, you still fully, be in doubt. Yeah, you, you can. Yeah. You can. There's there's a healthy doubting that that allows you to ask the questions that lead you to truth. Can I say yeah. too? Yeah. Understanding too, and this is where I'm going to say, as good Catholics, good Christians, we should be reflecting on our lives on a daily basis if we can, but also asking for God for things, and then looking for His response. Because when we have those responses, I mean, we talked about um, we were not going to be going to moving to Thunder Bay. We asked, and God gave us some signs. And we, <clears throat> I've been, I've used that. It's very clear evidence to me that God has a path for us, and it was to go to Thunder Bay and this. And He was very clear. And it, but I can use that then to to uh, counsel the doubtful. You know what I mean? Like just saying, oh, this is how God has worked in my life. Here's some mm -hmm. mini miracles or the way that God has spoken to me. But I only do, I can do that when I'm reflecting on it and understanding that, oh, that's where God is moving in my life. Oh, look how God has worked in my life. If I don't ever look at that, so you gotta ask and then look for the answer as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, and on that topic, I wanna encourage people who, who um, and not that there's nothing wrong with this, but who, who are Catholics who just come to Mass on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I want to encourage them to get involved with something, like a, something else during the week in their parish if it's yeah. available, um, because that's when you know coming to mass obviously is is the sort of pinnacle of our of our prayer. It's where we come to encounter Jesus, but then to continue that conversation somewhere else during yeah. the week, yeah. like um, in a prayer you know, meeting, Bible study, exactly that prayer kind of meeting, Bible study. We have you know some RCIA mm -hmm. going on. A lot of conversations happening there. Yeah. We have programs for young people to, and when they come together, what do we do? We talk this doubt out. We talk about these themes. We try and. and you and know? people don't realize adults can come to these things and help volunteer and help, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like if you have a gift for that kind of stuff, but coming, you don't have to be the know-it-all with the answers. You're yeah. just being an adult there loving the teenagers or loving whatever. If that is available and that is one of your gifts, you will learn through what the teenagers learn. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's areas. Yes. That I think it's important that, that something secondary should yeah. support our Sunday Mass uh, experience, right? Yeah. And if there's, not, if there's nothing for you in your age group at your church, get it Make started. something. Get it started. <laughs> Okay, uh, number two. <laughs> this wow, is, that was long. <laughs> yeah, number two. This is what this is Matt's area: instructing the ignorant. 
Yes, this is. Uh, so start I, up your own podcast, and uh, <laughs> he's the instructor. I'm the ignorant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, get, get two guys on it. But, uh, I'm just gonna bypass the whole uh, <laughs> character assassination. But um, the uh, <laughs> uh, again, just to distinguish, like the classical sense of ignorant isn't the. Like yes. a lot of times, like ignorant is, is exactly. used in a pejorative sense that you know, yes. you're calling someone ignorant. Um, a, a, ignorant in this sense is, is someone who may not just have been exposed to these ideas to um, um, children in a sense are ignorant because they haven't learned something yet. Yeah. Um, but it's not just a, um, well, yeah, and they're not willfully ignorant. What willful right. ignorance is, right. its, is its own thing. Um, that people haven't taken that kind of responsibility to kind of instruct themselves and seek instruction for things that they don't know about. Yeah. 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 I think this really comes into, especially when we're talking about our Catholic faith, because there is like, I, I do a lot of retreats, I do a lot of ministry, I do that, and there is still things that I learn every mm. single sure. time. Every, every retreat we do, every time we have a speaker in, and all that kind of stuff, and I sit there thinking, okay, you know, I've been to a lot of retreats, I've been to a lot of talks, but every single time, I, you see me pull up my phone, I start taking notes on a talk topic, yeah. because even if there isn't, even if he's not giving me directly, or she's not giving me a direct um, something a lot of times it is direct, but if it's not, God's my thought process. God is leading that kind of like, oh, what they're saying there. Oh, that makes a lot of sense when it comes to this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so instructing the ignorant, everyone's ignorant of something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so and that, so this, but sharing faith can help can can allow that. Uh, and if you are ignorant in your faith, then seeking the truth and seeking that so that you can then later on share that answer. It's very true. And like you mentioned. Uh, uh, we were talking b- before about different programs in, in the in the church too. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and you mentioned this podcast as something yeah. like a, like a tool. <laughs> you know, there are there are some things. I mean, there's something about our faith we all don't know. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know, like, even I learn a lot on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Uh, it's very true. But like, there just to to know our faith and to journey with someone to grow deeper in in that knowledge of faith. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunities. Okay, number three is, uh, this one might sound harsh, right? Mm-hmm. Admonishing the sinner. This is my favorite one. I love telling people they're going to hell. <laughs> no. This one, I think, is, is, is one that a lot of people don't realize what it really means, yeah. right? It, it's not standing on your soapbox and telling people to turn or burn. Um, this, one, this one here is um, being supportive and helping others. So... Um, one of the examples I remember hearing about is a buddy who would sit at the bar uh, with his friends, and he wouldn't—he didn't do anything. He was—he was married, and the, his buddy was married, and his buddy got up and started dancing, you know, on the dance floor and stuff. And it wasn't um, wrong what he was doing or anything else, but he, he just looked back and saw his buddy sitting there with his drink, and just sitting at the bar. And the stare and the contact that they had between them, he just was like, "Oh, this probably." isn't the best thing I could be doing right now. And so he'd come back and sit down and be like, okay, well, should we leave the bar? We want to go home and have a drink? Like, because what he was doing might have been a little provocative or a little bit more you know, outside of what he should have been doing. But it wasn't, his buddy wasn't specifically admonishing, like not, not telling him you're going to hell or doing anything. All he was doing was being there, being supportive, but not supportive of what was happening, just being supportive of his buddy and sitting there and listening. And his buddy figured it out on his own, you know? And, and this is one of the ones, too, that you, you kind of need to be careful of. That it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine a lot, like, there are some people um, on social media um, who, you know, they would say that this is my, this is my work of mercy. Like, this is the one for me. And, you know, in the comment section telling everyone what yeah. they're wrong about. Yeah. Um, 
And viewing this in isolation, I think there's a real danger to people kind of taking it upon themselves that, you know, I'm, I'm the voice. Of, I'm going to admonish all the sinners, you know, in my sphere of influence. Um, whereas I think it's, 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 almost, it's almost the other way around, um, that there is, there is a communal call for us to call one another to holiness. Like that, yeah. that um, I'm, I'm blind to some sins in my own life that I would like people to, you know, bring call my attention on. to. Yeah. Um, but I want that to be someone that I trust, that I want, I want that to go, you know, hand in hand with, um, you know, that they're, they're the same person who counsels me when I'm doubtful. They're the same yeah. person who um, is a, has has my best interests <laughs> in mind, has my best spiritual interests in mind, which I don't think you necessarily see in a lot of the kind of vitriol that people tend th- tend to share, or th- 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 yeah. something that can look like this but isn't done necessarily in the spirit of you know a work of mercy. How how did Jesus admonish uh, the sinners? Right, mm-hmm. is 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 like. He, he sat down with prostitutes, tax collectors, tax collectors who are stealing prostitutes, who are obviously, we know what they're doing, but, they, but like that whole thing, how did he admonish them? Did he admonish them by standing up there saying, turn or burn? No, he didn't. He loved them. That's all he did. You know what I mean? He sat there and he showed them that they're real person and that they aren't their sin. Yeah. And by, right. by showing them that, they're, that they're, God created them and they aren't their sin, they're not known by their sin to him in his eyes. Yeah. He loves them. That's how you admonish the sinner, by loving them who they are not, and separating them from their sin. Yeah. And then, like you said, you have that trust that you can now talk about this sin and then show them where... where the, but you can't do that by just standing on a soapbox. That's right. You know and, I mean? and as the one who probably has the most cause to like give them a shake and yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. their sin, he treats them with mercy. Exactly. Whereas he reserves his harshest admonitions... Yeah. For the ones who are, are maybe quicker to judge or to dismiss them or count them as on the outside yeah. because of And the ones sin. that should know better in, yeah. in some, you know, or, or the ones that were doing the admonishing sinners before that. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember that now that I think about it. Okay, <laughs> next time I go to admonish a sinner, that's, what, that's who Jesus actually criticized the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I was thinking about that, that counseling the doubtful, instructing the ignorant, and admonishing the sinner. They, they kind of go together, right? They really do. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I'm still laughing at your turn or burn <laughs> comment. Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, but yes, very, very correct. That um, when you're in relationship with someone, you know, uh, when there's this friendship, this trust there, then to say, hey, this is not good for it, rather than being someone who just. Always judges. Uh, there was a, admonishing, the, admonishing the sinner is not about judgment. No. Yes. No, there was talk about, I was just hearing, my sister talk about, actually, she's, a, she's out in Saskatchewan, and uh, she was just talking about how this woman, um, there, there was a, a woman in pro, caught in prostitution, and um, this other woman who was praying through, who, uh, praying through, was invited to talk to this woman about prostitution and stuff, and she, she didn't. What she did was she just met with the woman. She brought her cigarettes and just kind of sat in the room with her and chatted with her and all that kind of stuff. And then she said, so what, why are you, well, I, and like, why are you doing this? What's going on? Eventually, a relationship formed after a month. And then she was able to talk to the woman. And then she, well, why are you, well, because I don't have a nice dress. If I had a nice dress, I, I could be working at the stand around the corner here. I didn't have, I wouldn't have to be on the streets. So then the next time through, she brought her a couple of nice dresses. So that, you know, but again, no judgment, no nothing. Did the woman stop? No. But a couple of months after that, she came to that person and said, okay, I, I got to get out now. You know what I mean? But, it was, but there was a buildup of trust. And it was just a love, yeah. loving the person through. It's Anyways. a journey. Yeah, right? it's a journey. Okay, number four is comforting the sorrowful. 
Okay, so I think we talked about this uh, last time with the corporate works of mercy. You know, it's um, yeah, burying the dead, but it's much more than just the actual physical burying the dead, but comforting the sorrowful. Um, you know, um, we know that Jesus brings us comfort in our time of sorrow, but we also have to be people who go out of our way to people who are in or experiencing sorrow. Matt, you mm-hmm. talked last week about you know your own experience uh, and how the support of your family and friends were were really important mm-hmm. in a moment uh, that you felt grief and loss. And I think uh, people can, I, I feel like people can do a better job sometimes at reaching out to people in these situations because mm. when you lose someone close to you, it's devastating. There are ups and downs, yeah, right? Sure. And little simple things like phone call, uh, sending over a meal, uh, yeah. some, whatever. I think there's different things that can help. Yeah. Right? Like, can I say too, sometimes too, what, what I would like to say in this is comforting the sorrow is sometimes we have to realize too, what is comforting the sorrow that we're not the savior in this point. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I know that I, I fall into that sometimes is like, I want to go and I want to be the hero, but that's not what God's calling me to. My, comforting the sorrow is not me going to comfort the person in the sense that I'm the savior. More meaning like things like going over and just listening to the person. I don't have to have an answer. I don't have to have a, 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 a resolution or whatever's going on. I just have to sit there, be there for the person, listening to the person, comforting the sorrow that way. Or thinking about the person ahead of time, bringing them a meal, thinking about them to like, what are ways, like when, when someone is, you know, family is going through a loss, how are ways that I can serve that person? And I mean, I remember when we lost my mom, some of the families that stood out to me are the ones that thought about that but didn't intrude or didn't just was like listen you have a big family and you all live in Powassan a half hour away from the funeral home um if you need a place to go just come back here for lunch and we're not even like we're gonna set lunch on the table and we're all gonna leave so we had like a whole house tours like like just little ways of like that was beautiful and I still remember that today and if you're listening thank you uh you know who you are but like those ways of caring for that family going through a loss were just ways that I now think of oh how can I help this family oh this is what was done for us maybe this is a way that I can you know what I mean it was amazing uh being the comforted um uh, the way that people comforted that way you know and we talked about uh, just towards the end of last week that um, uh, these these are interconnected. A lot of yeah, the, the spiritual of and, and uh, corporeal works that, like, providing food for someone who, yeah, it, like that's you, yeah. <laughs> you're checking a few boxes there. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> what I wanted to say is that um, if on the theme of kind of uh, clarifying word uses, like the, the biblical use of comfort, like we talk about comfort that it's like you, you know you have like a big comfy chair, a big, like the, the comforts of, of life that, that like the biblical sense of comfort, comfort my people says the Lord, like what, what, what is, what is providing that comfort? It's the good news of the gospel. It's the, mm-hmm. like, um, that all of our kind of, when we comfort the sorrowful, the big part of that, like, um, when you're in a position of sorrow and when we had a podcast on kind of pain and suffering that yeah. you're not particularly well disposed to see to the whole yeah. picture <laughs> yeah. that like whatever is causing that sorrow, whatever is causing that, that pain can, can, you know, can put blinders on you. So having a community, having that support, having that comfort from okay. the outside, giving you some kind of context, perspective and care can really help you through that, that yeah. situation. Community is amazing. Yeah. It really is. I don't know what I would do without it sometimes, you know? True. Okay, we're going to move on to uh, the next one, number five, is forgiving injuries. Um, and I'm going to tie this in, if you bear with me, with number six, forgiving injuries and bearing wrongs patiently. Because I think the two are... They really are, fall in. Yeah, yeah the So I know we talk a lot about forgiveness. Sometimes forgiveness is hard to forgive people who trespass against us, right? Um, and... Um, 
but also bearing wrongs patiently, which is number six. I mean, sometimes we just um, hold the grudge. Hold the grudge. Yep. Yeah, when, when people do something wrong, wrong to us. And yep. I think that's why the two of them go together because we find it hard to difficult to forgive forgiving someone. But even if we say we've forgiven someone, we still hold this animosity or this, uh, you know, these 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 bad feelings towards people. Mm -hmm. And it's a real spiritual uh, gift to be able to forgive, but to be able to let go. Let go. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, anyone who's gone to the sacrament of confession, I know when I go to the confession yeah. and you leave, you're like, ah, it's just yeah. like, ah, you know, like the letting go of of a burden or letting go of something that you've just. You just carried around so much, and, and asking God for help, and, and, and it's just—it's the same way. It's free, you know. So I think the two go together. And a lot of times too, like like you're saying, I, I believe that they go together. When you come into an altercation with another person, there's like this ugliness between us. Let's say me mm -hmm. and you have a disagreement, or have a, there, there's an injury caused between yeah. us here. There's an ugliness that also ties us together, and so this ugliness, the situation, whatever it may be, ties us together. That I have these uh, feelings towards you because of the situation that happens. What forgiveness does is separates that ugliness. I'm gonna cut that ugliness in half, right? Yeah. Boom, I'm cutting the ugliness in half. Now we're separated in the same bubble, but we're separated, I'm forgiving you. Whether you accept the forgiveness or whether maybe you're the one who has to ask for forgiveness, whether you've asked for forgiveness or not, I'm gonna forgive you. Yes. That's cut now my tie. And then I gotta pray for the next thing, which is bearing wrong, uh, wrongs patiently, which yeah. is letting go. Letting go yeah. and letting God. So, but now <laughs> I've, I've forgiven, I can cut that, I'm out. Now I'm, a, I'm by myself and now I have to let go. So now I gotta let God take care of the ugliness that's still attached to me mm -hmm. and then I can let go. But like for both of these, forgiving injuries and bearing wrongs falsely, I understand where it comes in a community part of you but I think those are the most internal parts yeah you know like mm -hmm. helping obviously the community helping other people but for me that would be where it's internalized you know what I mean it's helping the internal you ever think you've forgiven someone and then you run into them and you just feel like yeah, yeah you want to turn their the, head off yeah, just, at the, just at the sight of them you're yeah. like Argh. those are two you know, different that's things something going on inside like you said yeah. letting go and letting go but but that's but that's where like so you could forgive them and sometimes it's saying the forgiveness saying I forgive you Lord help me then the next step though is Asking to let go, yeah. and and there and there's some awful sins that have been committed, and sometimes it's really hard, and sometimes there's mentally damaged and all that other stuff that can yeah. come along. But holding on to it, never a good thing. That's why God's come. And I, I think what helps with that is is ourselves practice uh, participate in the sacrament of, of confession. Yeah. Uh, often, so we when we're receiving forgiveness a lot, we we just it's more of a natural thing to give it. Yeah. Okay, the last one because we're running out of time yeah, here is praying for the living and the dead. I think this one is self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to pray for our brothers and sisters, you know, um, to support them in prayer, to ask uh, for blessings upon uh, people we love and even those we don't, and to pray for the dead, you know. Uh, to pray for those who have gone before us, to offer mass intentions for them, to offer our prayers. Lots of things we can do uh, for both the living and the dead. That's a real spiritual work of mercy because it always keeps us connected with the community of brothers and sisters of our Lord. And we've talked about purgatory, purgatory before. Yeah. But like for those people that are in heaven already, you don't have to necessarily pray for them. Oh, they can pray for us. They can pray for us. I know, exactly. So when we're talking about the, the dead, we're normally we're talking about those in purgatory and you know, praying for them so that hopefully we get there, hopefully we bypass it, but if we don't, like when we get there, people are also praying for us as well, right? And then when they get to heaven, hopefully they're in heaven before us when we pray for them. And then when we get there, from heaven, they can pray for us in purgatory, you know? Very true. Any final thoughts, Matt? 
Uh, no, I think. I think Let's recap the seven spiritual works of mercy counseling the doubtful, instructing the ignorant, admonishing the sinner, comforting the sorrowful, forgiving injuries, bearing wrongs patiently, and praying for the living and the dead. This, these are real um, good practices to really build up our spiritual life and to keep us uh, sort of on the right track in our spiritual life with Jesus, mm -hmm. especially during the Lenten season. So hopefully that's been helpful to break them down a little bit. Of course, if you forget what we said, because we kind of rushed through them, you can find them online as well. The seven corporal works of mercy and the seven spiritual works of mercy. It's been a pleasure talking about these things yeah. with you, especially during the season of Lent. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if you have any questions, comments, or anything else that you want to send us, send us an email to thecatholicbuzzpodcast at gmail.com. And for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele, and we will see you next time on The Catholic Buzz.